Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you, Nico. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. What do you think, Caleb? Should we just play that drop until Nico actually starts a game to start every program? Just drop in a... What do you think? A little too quiet there. Um, yeah, it was a little quiet. I'm my mix master mic Beastie Boys thing isn't working. I mean, Nico Yamaliava, if you keep doing that, you might be waiting a year because I, I I don't think he'll be starting this year. That's been our hot debate for a couple of months now, but I'm still pretty sure that you won't be seeing Nico on the field. Let's see, it's April, so you'll have to wait 19 or 17 months. I don't think I'm going to have to wait that long, but we'll debate that as the season goes on. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. I made a Beastie Boy reference, because so I guess I'm like two Calebs and one DJ or something along the lines instead of three MCs and one DJ. Do you like the Beastie Boys? I respect them. Again, before my time, but I respect okay. the Beastie Boys. Yeah. I mean, all the stuff they did, you got to fight for your right. That was supposed to be satirical, but nobody got it. So they were the party. But the stuff they did after was really thoughtful and supportive the, of women and it was not like the satirical stuff they did early on. I'm just saying. And we both see, I had a few dressed, you kind of looked a little dressed like a beastie boy. Oh well thank you. <laughs> yeah. You got the co- collar button up shirt and uh the uh, neutral colors. That's kind of a beastie boys look. See my version of satire that no one got was um uh Kendrick Lamar's swimming pools pour up, drink, headshot, drink. Everybody drank to that song, Parting, but the whole point of the song is why he doesn't drink anymore. <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly. So, all right. Good morning to everyone that's on the message board. We've got a lot coming up. It's a football Friday with Fred. Fred White will join us a little bit later, the former Tennessee safety. I'll ask him as far as the best running backs that he's ever seen, played against, gone against, because we've got some running back news as we talk some Tennessee football right after off the top, Tennessee was a big scrimmage, and that would have been yesterday on a Thursday, depending on when you're watching. And we appreciate all the people that are watching outside the regular time at 10 a.m. when we go live, uh, rebroadcast throughout the day, and the response has been tremendous. So thank you very much. Here's what Josh Heupel said, and it's on, what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Josh Heupel actually said something at a press conference, breaking news. And it was a compliment to a crew that I think has not been talked about enough but we're gonna do that right now and that's the running backs he said they had a really good day then we had jacob warren and cooper mays on the program later in the day on the youtube channel they both echoed the same thing so let's talk some tennessee running backs and the craven wings today's tough question we'll deal with that for sure what the h brought to you by campbell cunningham taylor and han I'm not wearing contacts, I'm not wearing glasses, and I see incredibly well. That's what Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn can do for you. You'll love them. Local vision correction, too. Their doctors are all in the Knoxville area. So you've got to check out Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Also, cataract surgery. Again, local, local, local. All right, so Josh Heupel loves his running backs, he doesn't throw out compliments just to endear himself to the media or the fan base. So I think this was for real. And then talking to Cooper and Jacob after the fact, the running backs have been the story of this particular spring camp. And it's, it's not the usual suspects that you might expect with Jalen Wright or Jabari small. Those guys are proven. You don't need to run them ragged in spring camp the guy's dylan sampson that's going to make a huge jump and josh ward wrote about second year guys that are going to make a huge jump as long as he is not injured caleb uh, dylan sampson could have a huge year and don't be surprised if he's tennessee's leading rusher you would have to supplant right and small on that but he's had a really really good spring for those that are on board hit the thumbs up button if you haven't subscribed yet you got to do that but uh, dylan sampson is going to be your guy that we're going to talk about at the end of the season i believe firmly is having a breakout year your thoughts caleb yeah i think dylan sampson has actually definitely got the best chance of having a breakout year i'm sorry i completely agrees <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from. Big Dylan Sampson guy. He's got his 24 doggy jersey on. Um, Yes. So, all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, no, I think Dylan Sampson has definitely the best chance of – I think Dylan Sampson has the best chance of starting – not starting, but being the all-purpose back player this year with Jalen Wright. I think think he's actually going to supplant Jalen Wright. He's going to get more carries than Wright this year. Small is still going to be your 20 to 25 carry per game guy. But Samson is going to be your all-purpose back. 
And I think you might see Jalen Wright hit the portal, guys, this at the end of this year. That's my hot take. Uh, wouldn't completely surprise me. He broke all of uh, Eddie Lacy's uh, high school records. It wouldn't surprise me if one guy transfers just by the nature of having three running backs. Now, that didn't used to be the case. And I would like to think that Tennessee would have the wherewithal to make those guys all feel wanted. They've done so with like a Joe Milton. They've done so with other guys that could have gone pro. So I'm going to. I'm going to say that that Tennessee's able to hold on to these three guys because of their culture and because of the number of carries that are going to go around. So I don't think they necessarily lose one of these guys. And and really, if you look at what Alabama has done over the past 15 or so years, it's good to keep those guys fresh. And then on the on the flip side, um, I, I I think that there's a culture here that'll want to make Tennessee players stay as opposed to jumping in that transfer portal and taking a chance. I mean, has anybody significant jumped in the transfer portal portal or Tennessee so far in this, this past round that they would like to have back? I don't know if they'll necessarily lose a Jalen Wright, but I see your point. Yeah. Well, Justin Williams, Thomas did hit the portal, but that had more to do with just him being the odd man out. I would say that uh, Tyon Evans did the year before for sticking with running backs. And I thought Tyon Evans was better than Jabari small as the 20 to 25 carry per game back the thing was small and the thing that's going to be tricky is you're right there's really no reason probably for i think hypo likes to run a three back set he wants a power back of 20 25 carry per game back and an all-purpose back and he's got his all he's got his he's got his 20 25 carry per game in jabari small he's got his power back now in khalifa keith and he's got two options for all-purpose back you don't necessarily know who the one big question of running back is who can back up Jabari small if he goes down and be the 20 to 25 carry per game guy. Don't you think that's Jalen, Wright? I don't he think Jalen Wright can do it. I don't think Jalen Wright can do it. Well, I think it was, if it was a combination between the two, I think you're on the verge of having, and I'm going to flip flop this a little bit based off who I'm, I'm talking to. I think you're going to have a version of some of the, the great Tennessee tailbacks of the past whether you want to go uh, Cobb, Aiden, Webb, or you want to go uh, a group like uh, Henry, um, Stevens, Jamal Lewis, I'm not, saying they're, I'm not saying they're quite that good. Let me, let, me, let me finish. I'm not saying they're quite that good. But if Dylan Sampson is half as good as everybody's telling me he's going to be good, he's going to be your alpha dog. And he's going to be the guy this year that, that really is in there in key clutch situations. Now, is his body big enough to handle 25 carries? No, but I don't think a lot of running backs are nowadays. That's kind of an antiquated notion of giving one guy the rock until he warms up. I think you're going to see that type of group. And when I look at some of the list around the SEC, I mean, who who right now has the best running backs in the SEC? If I were to turn to a ranking by... Um, let me pull that up right now. Mike Farrell, who we like, we have had on this program before. If you pull up a ranking, who do you think ranks higher on his list? Is it Jabari Small or is it Jalen Wright? On whose list? I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Mike Farrell. Uh, Mike, Mike Farrell. Longtime recruiting reporter, worked with rivals for a number yeah. of years. Got him on the program. I would probably have I, – I would think he probably has Jabari Small higher on the list, but I don't know. He is not. He has Jalen Wright at number five overall. So here's a look at the top tailbacks 
in the SEC, according to Mike Farrell. Uh, Quinshon uh, Judkins at Ole Miss, he had a 1,500-yard uh, season last year. Certainly he's going to be in there. Raheem Sanders at Arkansas. seems like you're all, always going to have an Arkansas back in there as long as they're running the football as they like to do in Fayetteville. Jarquez Hunter of Auburn. Man, I, I, I don't know how, how good they're going to be there. Hunter was always fresh with Bigsby there. Uh, and then it, you go Montrell Johnson of Florida. So Jalen Wright comes in at number five as the highest-rated Tennessee tailback. That's and ambitious. that's – go ahead. I, I, that's ambitious to me. To be five for Jalen yeah, Wright? Yeah, Jalen Wright. I think it is ambitious. I don't think it's ambitious for Dylan Sampson to be five at the end of the season. That I can see that. That's possible. Here's a sidebar oh, question. I, thought, I didn't think you would like that one either. That surprises me a little bit. Yeah, I don't like Jalen Wright at number five. Um, that's I bet I I do like the idea of Dylan Sampson at five. I think I'm with everybody. Dylan Sampson is dynamic. We saw just enough of him last year, and we knew that the only issue of him was pass protection. And honestly, the missed block where Hooker was strip sacked, everybody gave Sampson for recovering the fumble and making something out of it. Well. Yes, you give him credit for that because it was a heads-up play, but it also took a lot of athleticism to make something out of that after he picked up the ball. And so I think that we see we saw a flash of just how good Samson could be. This is why, I mean, look, I'm seeing, I really think that you're not going to see a lot of Jalen Wright this year because of this. I just don't see how you keep Samson on the bench. Sidebar question, Dave. Who's more running back you, Tennessee in the 80s and 90s or just Arkansas as a program historically? Mm, I would probably say, I mean, so I get a hundred years of Arkansas and I get 20 years of Tennessee. But man, that 20 years of Tennessee is the best 20 year run. Any college 20 years was 20 years was pretty good. Uh, Travis saying, are you suggesting the wishbone? I'm not. Um, but, this way, running back you from when Reggie Cobb arrived on campus to when Travis Stevens graduated. So 82 to 2001, that 20 year run. Yeah, I would probably take Tennessee. I would too. Oh, Not Reggie Cobb, sorry, Johnny Jones. Johnny Jones. Reggie Cobb was later. Yeah. But yeah Johnny, Johnny Jones was Johnny Jones was was my first favorite Tennessee football player. Selling little programs. Young little Dave Hooker walking around at 12 years old in Neyland Stadium on campus. Probably should have been abducted, and his mom was terrible for, for so allowing just, him to just walk around. Let's go down the list because you had Johnny Jones, Reggie Cobb, Chuck Webb, Tony Thompson, Aaron Hayden, James Stewart, Mose Phillips, Charlie Garner, Jay Graham, Jamal Lewis, Travis Henry, Travis Stevens. I'll take that. I'll take that 20-year run over any over any 100-year run in school history of any program. Agreed. Uh, okay, Kenny, I think that Dylan Sampson will be mentioned among some of those names for two reasons. I think he'll catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he'll be incredibly good in the passing game. And I think he'll be the biggest home run threat. So let's say he would be the Travis Stevens in that Stevens, Henry, Jamal Lewis group, if everybody stayed healthy, which they didn't. And we know that. But Travis Stevens is just kind of waiting there to be your home run threat. I think you'll have an opportunity to use Dylan Sampson. And as far as all purpose yards from scrimmage, I think he'll lead the balls out of the backfield, but that includes passing yardage as well. I, I could see them. I could see them developing a little swing pass game, a screen pass game more so than they've done in the past. I, I think this passing game evolves a little bit and more from 20 yards in. I'm not saying it's a massive change. You might not even notice it, but I think uh, 
being able to take advantage of Joe Milton's strengths will be a big one. See, I didn't say Nico was going to start the season. Well, according to Mel Kuyper, it was the same offense. Don't you know? <laughs> exact same offense. That's that's absolutely right. And uh, we got a couple of clicks on that video already, as as you might imagine. Uh, by the way, the uh, the one, the only Hendon Hooker, the the one who is questioned like there's absolutely no tomorrow, was on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday and i don't think that was a coincidence i think paul's producer you know paul has the ability to be able to call and say hey can i get this guy on and he's generally on that day and josh heupel came out and defended himself against the kirby smart comments uh and also questions about tennessee's offense he he went on a bit of a diatribe i'm sure you've listened to him meeting with the media that was definitely one of those moments where the head coach says, hey, I'm going to go off on a, an agenda tangent here, and you're going to have to listen to it. Please write about it because I want it out there. Where essentially he defended what Tennessee's quarterbacks have to do. This story just won't go away. The same, It reminds me so much of the Tedford quarterback situation where he had several quarterbacks. But Tennessee doesn't even have – this sort of history. So that's why it's why that's why it's weird for me that it's already like that. So Aaron Rodgers sits in the draft room till he gets picked like 24, 27th, Caleb. That's what this feels like in the virtual world right now with with Hendon Hooker. Like everybody is finding ways to tear him down. And I, I brought this up with with Cooper and Jacob. I think there's some T, Tim Tebow-esque sort of thing despite the religion no matter that i think there are people that think the story is too good and they think the story of him being a leader turning tennessee around and being the key to that and it not being josh heupel they just think that story is too good and people want to continue to tear it down and i think kirby smart tried to do so with attacking tennessee's offense and i think a lot of draft analysts are doing the same thing it just i don't know who i, I hear more bad stuff about hendon hooker than I do any other draftable player in the first round. You? Yeah, I think it has more to do with the, and we've seen this in previous situations before, like I've talked about. I'm more stuck on, I think when people see a system that tends to be beneficial to a player, they oftentimes hold it against that player to say, oh, that player can't do anything outside of that system. It's a, I'm going to get, I, I'm going to give I'm going to give Stephen A a shout out one time because he said this and it's true. Sports is the one area, even though it's a meritocracy, where we sometimes hold it against the player for doing what they're supposed to do. So I guess what I mean by that is Hendon Hooker. We look at Hendon Hooker and we're like, well, you're supposed to throw for a lot of yards in Josh Heupel's offense and you're supposed to score a lot of touchdowns. So he should do that. Yes, but he did do it. You got to give him credit for that. The same way someone might look at Bill Jackson and say, well, you're supposed to win championships with Michael Jordan. Okay, yeah, he's supposed to, but he did. So you should give him the credit for that. And I think that we're kind of we're, – we're forgetting that, yes, there is doing – there is any quarterback should be able to throw for a lot of yards in Josh Heupel's system, and it's a red flag if they can't. But then if they do what they should do and go even beyond that because Hooker – Hinton Hooker went beyond what other quarterbacks have done in Heupel's offense, it's hard for me to see why that should be held against him. It's – I think that's a problem. I agree. And if you're just tuning into the, the program and you weren't listening to us in uh, August or September, 
we had a lot of objective questions about Hendon Hooker. I mean, that we are not suddenly just on this bandwagon. As a matter of fact, I got called out for being negative early in the season because I thought he still had some accuracy issues. He proved those wrong. And yeah, I think there are some things that are going to have to be taught. I think the progression in reading receivers is going to have to be taught at the NFL level. I think some footwork issues are going to have to be taught at the NFL level. But you've got a guy who you know is going to put in the work. I'd rather have the guy that I know is going to put in the work than another talented guy, and I go back to Ryan Leaf, had all the talent in the world but didn't want to be drafted number one by the Colts because he didn't want to play in Indianapolis. If you don't have enough pride in your game to go number one, I don't care if it's Prussia, then you should – is there still a Prussia? Then you – that says something about you, that you would rather go two and play in San Diego – as opposed to play in Indianapolis that you really don't know. Well, to be fair, John Elway forced himself out of Indianapolis too. And I know meaning refused to go to San Diego. You at least let yourself get drafted. I would want the number one next to my name and then I'll force out. Okay. All right. That's sometimes I wonder if that's worse, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would want the number one did, next to my Didn't Ryan leave like skip a workout in Indianapolis? Particularly yes, on purpose. He, he looked yeah. like an idiot in order to not get drafted number one. That's different than what Elway and Manning did. Yeah, that's true. And and funny enough, though, Ryan Leaf should have thought that through because if they're, he would have rather the Colts draft you than San Diego. The Chargers are the most like dysfunctional organization. They have been notoriously that for 30 years. And this is in a league that Jimmy Haslam runs a team in, and the Chargers are still the most dysfunctional organization. Last take on Hendon Hooker, and it's a strong one because it really bugs me. It's brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Go to AndyMasonRealEstate.com, and he can be your realtor, provide you with the best service, and he can provide you with the best prices out there. Over 40 years of experience in Andy Mason's off, uh, office, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Why are some people so hesitant to move Hendon Hooker on their board? That's the other thing that blows me away. You pulled up a, or no, I saw one that had Hendon Hooker and people were surprised five quarterbacks were in the SEC. He was still in like the 26th position to the Vikings. Why is Why are people so hesitant to move him past Will Levis, past Anthony Richardson? I mean, we both know the arguments why. So I guess I'm asking this rhetorically, Caleb, but my goodness, we're talking about major holes in guys' games. We're not talking about Bryce Young, whose one hole is that he's small, right? That's right. That's really – I mean, if he's 6'3", 225 pounds, we're not having this discussion. He's number one and a generational top quarterback. But the rest of the guys, you can poke holes in their games, especially from the, the, the SEC. Will Levis didn't look efficient at times. Anthony Richardson's a workout warrior. It just befuddles me. The one hole in Hendon Hooker's game is that he needs to get coached up a little bit more. And the retort to that is he's one of the hardest workers. Don't think for a second a GM hasn't come up to Josh Heupel and said, tell me the truth about this Hendon Hooker. Is he as, is he as awesome as we hear and are all of his deeds altruistic? Yeah, they are. And that's what he, that's why I was thinking this, I don't mean to be long-winded, Caleb, but I want to get your take on this. I was thinking about this last night. 
we were discussing whether all this Hendon Hooker stuff was a smokescreen to help teams that want to move down and teams might want to move up. I don't think it's smokescreen stuff because I think it's genuine. I think some real news is leaking out about Hendon Hooker and him climbing the draft board. I don't think this is smokescreen stuff. No, I agree. And as a matter of fact, it's partially because Will Levis, I don't know if you've heard, but he's been bombing interviews and people are getting a sense of him being arrogant and entitled and just thinking way too highly of himself. And that's the big thing. Like, okay, so Hendon Hooker, there's nothing that we don't, there's things that we don't know if he can do because Josh Heibel's offense didn't require it, but there's nothing that we have seen where we say he can't do it. Like I look at Anthony Richardson, he can't throw an accurate pass. He can't. We just have seen it. We know what he can't do. We don't know what Hooker can't do, but we know what he can do. And we know his work ethic to be willing to work on the things that he's not experienced in. And would you rather have that or would you rather have a Will Levis who also has not shown that he can do a lot of things and comes in arrogant, entitled, whatever. I mean, I guess you could see the Aaron Rodgers aspect because Aaron Rodgers came in arrogant too, but the he, and he worked out. The Packers did have to send him to a quarterback guru summer camp to help him learn how to relearn his footwork. But if you can do it with Aaron Rodgers, you can do it with Hendon Hooker. Um, Dave, you always throw some cultural references at me, so I'm throwing one at you now. And <laughs> right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Before Lil Wayne blew up as a rapper. No, but that's not a cultural reference. Anything in the past 15, 20 years. Okay, well, when Lil okay, Wayne go was... Ahead. Go when, ahead with when your he was in Cash Money, when he was with Hot Boys in the late yes. 90s, early 2000s, there were questions about his ability to be an actual MC because the idea was that just Manny Fresh's beats were just kind of carrying all these rappers. And they were carrying most of them. And then in 2005, with Carter II, he works with a bunch of new producers and finally gets to show off what he can do lyrically, and that's when he blows up. He had to get out, he got to get out of Manny Fresh's production to prove himself. But that doesn't I mean guess, that he couldn't do it. I guess. And I want to just apologize for that, for that rap breakdown to everybody that's watching. Candace says, I don't know whether there are not more questions about UGA defensive tackle with the character issues and being uh, so out of oh, shape at his pro day. Uh, Mr. Jones said Anthony Richardson wasn't trying to hit the roof, but the media tried to flip that into a positive about him when he hit the roof. I don't know. I don't have any. Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are different to me. There's no character flaw to Anthony Richardson. I just don't think he can play in the NFL because of his accuracy. There's character flaws with Will Levis and maybe Stetson Bennett too, by the way, but that's a different story. Fred, I see you in the background. I'm running late. Can you give me two minutes? Shake your head yes. Yes, he can. Awesome. The Craven Wings, uh, today's tough question is as follows, and I will ask Fred this here momentarily, and that is what second-year player are you most excited about as a Tennessee ball? And here's the way I put the poll. Squirrel White, Dylan Sampson, anybody else? Because <laughs> the rest are linemen that you probably don't care about as much. Stay tuned. Off the Sports East, Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker and Craving Wings South North Shore location where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quien es este? El número 87, Jacob Warren. I'm just doing six of my sauce 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craving Wings and get you seis más. What was funny about Kate is we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox, we had inpatient, we had outpatient, 
So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. But now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program, but it's, we're complicated people. I am what I am, and now i got to do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sirree, boys and girls. Or the guy that just won't leave. Wow, that is sad. The Dave Hooker Show, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. Let's get right to this guy right now. Portions of the program brought to you by Zulbeer, XULbeer.com, the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. Zulbeer.com is phenomenal. Worldwide award-winning craft beer, and it's got a place where you can park downtown. Great location, panoramic views of Knoxville. And again, did I say parking downtown? This guy joins us every Friday. It's a football Friday with Fred. Fred White, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Dave. How about yourself? Never better. I got a uh, I got a little trip coming up here, and I've got uh, my kids have to spend time with me because it's Easter. So life is good. <laughs> they have to. Huh? Yeah, they have to. Here's kind of how the conversation went yesterday with my son. Hey, did you go to the gym? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, do you want to go back? No, I already went. Why didn't you call me? I don't know. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to spend time with you. I mean, the older they get, the less cool I get, Fred. Um, all right, uh, Fred, I want to ask you the Craven Wings today's tough question. Um, which sophomore or second-year player are you most excited about? And I did – because I don't think a lot of people know who Jordan Addison and James Pierce and those guys mm-hmm. are. So I, I did it really simple. I did Dylan Sampson. I did Squirrel White or other. Well, so. I, you already know who I am, Dave. I, I don't care if they don't know who they are. If it's my player, I'm picking my player. And I'm picking James Pierce Jr. Ooh, good one. That I'm, I'm you know, every, I, everyone always remembers the guys who play offense, the guys who score touchdowns and catch, you know, passes and run for touchdowns and throw them, those type of things. Guys that I look at 
are the guys who don't get the job done on the defensive side of the ball most of the time. We often sell tickets, defense wins championships. I'm always going to say that, even though the game has changed. But I think James Pierce Jr. is, a, is that one guy that we've been missing on the edge. And if we, can get him to, if we can get him to perform this year like we think he can, like he's capable of, on the defense end position, I think he can make a world of difference for us. Uh, him and Tyler on the two opposite sides going, you know, going after the quarterback, I think would be a good idea for us. And it'll change the game so. I feel like I feel like I lost a, a little football credential there by not going with the lineman. You're absolutely right. Be sure and hit that like button if you haven't subscribed yet. Be sure and do so. We didn't even mention in the earlier segment. I'm hearing great things about Cam Selden at running back. But go ahead, Caleb. It is your turn, sir. All right. Well, Fred, I'm going to push further on that. Since you say James Pierce Jr., which former Tennessee defensive end does he remind you of the most? Or do you think he can be? Are you, I, and I'm not going to ask you to say Leonard Little because that's blasphemous. But that is you, blasphemous. Yes. <laughs> could you see a Derek Barnett? Could you see something like that? I'm going to say a Jonathan Brown. Oh. Ooh. Okay. Jonathan Brown was a, you know, fourth round draft pick to the, to the Green Bay Packers, played a few years in the NFL. Um, he played on the opposite side of Leonard Little. And I think those guys were a heck of a tandem when they played together in college, they, and they put up a lot of sacks. Um, when those two guys were our defensive ends, we had over 48 sacks in the season, which was close to our record, uh, if it wasn't the record. So um, i like to see some things like that. With the game passing and those type of things right now, we need a guy who's long, 6'5". I mean, he's gained, he's more than 220 pounds now. I know I'm sure of that. Uh, but at 6'5", with his talent and his length, I think those things would be good for us coming off the defensive end. Jonathan Brown was not 6'5". He was like 6'3 and a half, maybe 6'4". Um, that's, now, I see someone – I got to say this real quick. I see someone put Reggie White in – hey, let me tell you something. You want to talk about <laughs> blasphemy? You want to talk about blasphemy? You don't, you, don't, you don't discuss not one first year, second year, third year, fourth year, or fifth year player to Reggie White. He's the greatest, Okay. We don't even we don't even bring his name up in conversation when we're talking about any of these players. That's uber Yeah, you got to show me a whole lot for you to even be close to being on that level. I don't even put Leonard Little on that level. Whoa, and he, and he's a, he's the greatest defensive lineman I ever seen play at Tennessee. Yeah, outside of Reggie White, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, Reggie was pretty good. I think we can I think we can all agree with that. As as far as second year surge players, the the other one that I think kind of goes under the radar because it's not exciting to talk about is Jordan Addison because he's, he's Addison Nichols, Dave. Addison Nichols. Addison Nichols. Did I go with an older <laughs> player? Sorry. Uh, Fred, sometimes I reference players from 20 years ago. Addison Nichols. I don't know who Jordan Addison is. The receiver uh, at USC. Oh yeah. That's the right guy. Uh, this guy's better. Addison Nichols, because he could provide backup at guard, but in particular he could provide backup at center. Fred, we made the argument that non-quarterback Cooper Mays may be the most important player on this football team because you don't want anything to happen to him because I don't see a great center behind him. You? Uh, that remains to be seen. We still got a little bit of time. Um, I think we have some pretty good offensive linemen out there. Um, I'm just not – I'm not sure – I'm not sure – that we have a good one right now, but I think between now and season start, you could develop someone in the bin, you know, a good enough, uh, a good enough person to play that position. Uh, I think 
that's what the spring is for and what the summer is for, to find out who your next guy is, um, to build some depth. But I do want to see Cooper Mays do a great job of, you know, um, leading that offensive line and being the leader since you're the, you're the senior. You're the oldest guy there. You're the guy who's who's taking some, you know, uh, you had a lot of game knowledge and game time and those type of things, but you need to take over and be the leader of this group. And I think wherever he goes is how, fast, how far we go on the offensive line, in my opinion. Caleb, I know you got something else, and then I want to get to four downs and talk some more tailbacks with Fred. Yeah. Fred, how how crucial is it to – I guess we all know the quarterback's got to be a big – you know, you want your quarterback to be a leader, but how crucial is it to have like – and we, I know something like a safety or a middle linebacker is usually your leader on defense. Is it always important to have at least one offensive lineman who's like the leader of the team? I know with you guys here, uh, Mercedes Hamilton, I think, was a team captain in, on the 98 team. Um, is it always important to have one offensive lineman that's one of the vocal leaders like a Cooper Mays? I think it's I think it's important to have a leader at every group. I mean that that that's what you need. If, if you don't have that, if you if you can't go into any every position room and have a leader, you don't have a really good football team, in my opinion. You can't be led by just one person. If one person is the leader, then you you're bound to fail um, because that person can't be in every meeting room to make sure everyone's paying attention and understand what's going on in, in schematically with your coaches and being a liaison between the players and the coach. You got to have that in every group. Um, and I, I hate, I, I always hate comparing, but if you go back to when we were winning like that in the 90s, you did have those things. You had a position group, you had a leader in every position room. When you, you go back to the SEC championship teams that Tennessee's had, or SEC teams that went to the SEC championship, all those teams had leaders in every room. You had guys who were standing out at, Defensive back, linebacker, defensive line, offensive line, everything. You name it. You got to have that in order to be able to win. If you don't have that in order to be able to win, you won't win, in my opinion. You got to have those leaders in every room, but you also have those guys who stand out more than anyone else. And that's Al Wilson. That's a uh, Jeff Coleman. I mean, just Jeff Hall, I'm sorry. Uh, Dwayne Goodrich, uh, Darwin Walker. Those guys, they are, the, they are the ultimate leaders of the team, but you have leaders in every room. I think somebody on the message board trying to get me in trouble with Fred. We'll see if he's able to do so. <laughs> I, I argued that as far as a freshman showing up, assuming he's physically ready, that running back was the easiest position to make the transition from high school to college. I think running backs have that or they don't run to green. Of course, you got to ha- handle pass pro and all that. And then I argued that playing corner might be the second easiest position to make the move from high school uh and and until college am i right or wrong on that i i I beg to differ okay because you played for those (laughs) who don't know you played corner fred was a burner could absolutely run and when he got to tennessee they asked him to put on weight and play safety and he turned into a fantastic safety but you played corner originally so tell me tell me why i'm wrong and i'll I'll trust you well Corner is probably one of the hardest positions on the football field. Okay. The reason why the player that you're going up against knows exactly where he's going on every snap. You have to read and react to that player. And you don't have six, two, six, three, six, four guys you play against every week in high school that can run a four, three, 40. You don't have that. 
So you can come in as one of the greatest athletes ever and run fast and all those type of things. But I will say this. The game has changed. It's faster. The players are faster. You can put an athlete out there, yes. But it doesn't mean that he is the easiest position to play. It's just he's a great athlete. You, you don't get many Jalen Ramseys. You don't get many, you know, those guys don't come around every day. I, I see the position of corners being one of the toughest because the game is a lot faster. You have to do a lot of things differently um, when it comes to um, how you cover guys, learning the schemes and those things, and how you fit in the scheme. Because if you if you don't fit in that scheme, you can get, you can bring a corner in and he's a he played zone in high school. Now he has to play man to man. That's different. Techniques are different. The speed of the game is different. The ball comes out different. Because you imagine playing corner and you're going up against Peyton Manning in practice every day. Nah. And he can put the he can put the ball in positions that you never imagined it being put. In high school, wide open is two feet. In college, wide open is five inches. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that that was, I, I wouldn't say that. that the, the easiest position to me to learn and come in and play right away if you're actually a stud is defensive tackle because all you got to do is go push the guy around. Well, that's true. That's a good point. What about my running back? Uh, running back I, on offense, I think running back is the position. The wide receiver is different, but running back would be the position. Yeah, as a freshman, you can come in and play right away if you actually that if you're really good. Yeah. I think it's the easiest transition because all you're doing is, I mean, all you're doing is using your athletic ability. Give me the ball, let me run. That's it. Yep, agreed. Uh, Jamal Lewis should have played in the Florida game, but <laughs> hey, man, but anyway. <laughs> Listen um, to me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I got to say it. I got to say it. You're going to You're gonna stand we, up for Mark. We've, we've said that since, <laughs> since since 1997 when Jamal Lewis came in. How come he didn't play in the game? We couldn't understand it. We still can't understand it. Now, you know, I'm I'm not referencing Mark Levine. I love Mark Levine. He's one of my teammates. But he knows, too, that Jamal Lewis should have played in that game. They both should have played more in that game. They didn't, we didn't run the ball, but maybe 13 times the whole game, <laughs> which is why we lost, in my opinion. Get that Walter Payton back there. Yeah, I mean, if you have Walter Payton back there and you only, get, and you only run the ball 13 times, are you expected <laughs> to win? <laughs> I think I know where Fred stands on this. Go ahead, Caleb. Fred stands. Um, sticking on the quarterback because you mentioned Peyton and the accuracy in college. Uh, I wanted to get your, I wanted to get both y'all's takes actually, uh, because I had a friend who's a little younger than me who only watched Denver Peyton, never really watched Colts prime Peyton or Peyton at Tennessee. And it seemed, is the narrative on Peyton getting unfairly written in this way? The narrative on Peyton in the NFL now is that he was always smart, but he never had a big arm or was that athletic, but that wasn't that true in college. Was it, wasn't he really deadly accurate when he played college and didn't he have a pretty decent arm when he played with you guys? Peyton never threw the prettiest ball. Okay. His balls did wobble. You know, those were things that just happened, but let me tell you something. You can't deny greatness. I don't care what they saw. You know how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL? It is very hard to play quarterback in the NFL. 
Peyton Manning won two world, two, two Super Bowls. Two. I don't care if he lit through that last one or not. He won two. Without him, he they don't get there. So that's how I look at Peyton Manning. I let me tell you the greatness of Peyton Manning. I watched him do something in college, practice it every day, but never use it in the game in college. The back shoulder fade. Really? He practiced the back shoulder fade every day in college. We had to defend that on goal line and, you know, those type of things. In the open field, we did it. We defended it all the time. Every day he would practice this. They were practicing in one-on-one drills. They were practicing in seven-on-seven drills. They practices in goal line drills and one-on-ones with the wide, receiver, wide receivers and DBs. And he became really good at it. But we never see him use it in one game in college. He gets to the NFL, and he unleashes this one thing he's been practicing for five years. <laughs> now everyone throws a back shoulder fade. So if you don't tell me Payne Man is one of the greatest, I don't know what to, I don't know to tell you. Because I've never seen anyone do that. He practiced that for four years. <laughs> Took your time, and you're defending it so he can run it in the NFL. And then he ran it in the NFL. <laughs> never ran it. You know, you can go watch any game we played, and he never threw that pass in college. But when he got to the NFL, he did. That's that's bizarre. And I can't think of a single back shoulder fade he threw at Tennessee now that you mention it. And I never would have thought that before. Uh, I, I don't know how he's viewed in that second Super Bowl, but he ought to be viewed as that's an incredible victory because I, I talked to a friend of the family at the time. They didn't think he was ever coming back, that he'd ever have the strength in that hand again, and they thought it was similar to what Cooper went through. Um, so the fact that he even got back to the NFL, I thought it was a major story, much less won a Super Bowl. Let's get to four downs now, brought to you by Craft Treats, four downs. Brought to you by crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook to get 20% off. We're going to ask Fred about running backs. Four downs now. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Four downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Uh, first down, Fred. Best running back that you've ever seen. Not even necessarily on the same field. We'll get to that. Greatest running back I've ever seen. I'm going to go with my own, Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis. All right. Makes the next one a little bit more difficult. Oh, hold on. Let me, let, me, let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me back up. Greatest running back I've ever seen, Marshall Falk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a, that's a really good one. He gets lost sometimes in that he was the ultimate dual threat. Yep. Nobody else like him. All right. 1,000 so yards makes- rushing, 1,000 yards receiving in the same season. Yeah, that's insane. All right, so this makes this one easier. Uh, second down, the best running back you played with is Jamal Lewis, and why? Man, he, because he can run around you, run over you, and he can juke you. He can carry in the end zone. He'll run away from you, run away from you and get in the end zone, and you did not want to just face him straight up. No, he ran so angry. Mm-hmm. Best running back you played against? Robert Edwards, hands down. Oh, yeah. Really good one. Uh, if not for the injuries, he would have been special. Yeah. He was hurt in that beach football game, yeah. wasn't he? As a rookie. That was a big, stupid idea by the NFL. 
Mm-hmm. Let's go play football on the beach. <laughs> see if we can tear somebody's knee backwards. Did they have to pay for that? I think they had to pay like a $5 million claim, yeah. didn't they? Good. He ended up making it back to the NFL, which tells you how great of an athlete he was. Yeah, because his knee was completely sideways. It was mm-hmm. terrible. Uh, very good. It took, it took some years, but yeah. And did, when, when did he roll his ankle against you guys? Was that 95? Oh, that was 95. When you, it mm-hmm. felt like he was about to take that game over, and he rolled his ankle. Dave, uh, he had 199 yards at halftime. <laughs> you say that like you remember it vividly. I do. <laughs> <laughs> 99 yards at halftime. No, I, no, no, not not 99 yards. He had 199 yards at halftime. Gotcha. Um, okay, and then I'm going to ask, uh, ask you fourth down, the best running back that you ever shut down. It's brought to you by crafttreats.com. Go to crafttreats.com. They got the chill pills which Tennessee's defense could have used on that day because it'll help you with anxiety. It'll help with digestive issues. This is actually for your pets, though, and also arthritis. Uh, go to crafttreats.com, use the promo code off the hook to get 20% off the chill pills and all of the other craft treats products. They're holistic, great pet treats that you will love. Crafttreats.com, use the promo code off the The best running back you ever shut down, Fred. That means they want the best, if you ask me. But <laughs> you shut down. Robert Edwards because he got hurt in the second half. I mean, we shut down a lot of people that running back that they that I, don't, I don't consider them the best though. Um, I'm gonna say this because I know he doesn't like me. Sean Alexander. Oh, why does <laughs> he like you? That's right. Why, why does he, why why doesn't he like me? Yes. Okay. Is there a story? Before we played Alabama, I, pl- I had a friend of mine that went to Alabama. And every every game, you know you know, I did this, Dave. I, I told you this a long time ago. I was the guy who had the scouting reports for all the other guys, like their kids, their girlfriends' names, their parents' names, that type of stuff, right? So yeah. I would seek whoever went to that college to try to find out, hey, does he have a girlfriend? Who's his, what's his mama name? Uh, does he have kids? Whatever. I found out what his na- girlfriend's name was. Her name was Jennifer. And every time I tackled him, I would scream Jennifer. Like, you know what, man? Jennifer's coming out. She's coming to my house after the game. You know that, right? She's she's with she, she's with Katie. Katie's one of my friends. She's up here with Katie right now. I know where she's staying. She's going to be at my house for a night somewhere. She's, <laughs> she's in the suite right now. She's in the player suite. And, you know, he was, he, you know, he's a Christian guy, devout Christian. He, you know, he don't curse nothing, no drink. Listen. So the entire game, I am antagonizing him the entire game. I am talking about his girlfriend, and I'm cursing in front of him and everything, calling him a punk and a B-word and all kinds of stuff, right? And he is going to the referee, and he's telling the referee to get me to, to, to stop. The referee says something to me, and I went right at the referee and talk, called him a second. <laughs> you can't. You can't go to the ref and say, stop that guy from talking to me, can you? Yeah, yeah, he tried. All I did was talk more. I knew we had him out of his game at that point. That's why he didn't have a good game against us. We shut him down. Was that Absolutely. the game where y'all sang who owns Alabama, like the Sweet yep. Alabama at the end? That's it. Sure did. <laughs> I got a lot of high fives after that game because they were like, man, how did you find out what his girlfriend's name was? I just told him, look, I made some phone calls and I got it. Well, you got to remember, this is before the internet, too, and it's easy. So Fred's <laughs> really going after it. He's like Magnum P.I. here. And... <laughs> 
I will tell you, I played the We Own Alabama song that was, for those that haven't heard, it's to Sweet Home Alabama. And I played that in 2000. And I got five phone calls that said, that's not good sportsmanship. What are you doing, Dave? I don't, <laughs> I don't like you on the radio anymore. And I was like, I thought I was in big time trouble because I just started with WNOX at the time. And uh, yeah, that's how different sports radio nowadays is gone. If you played that nowadays, somebody would say that's too soft. You need to call them inbred or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you know, man, it was it was right on cue, right on time. And Dion Grant was the one who started it. And it was just like, you know what? Let's roll with it. Let's go. Well, <laughs> we've mentioned this before, but the Celebrate 98 series is coming up uh, here by the end of the month. We'll have our first few episodes. And I hope Dion is one of them. And I hope he starts the first uh, sentence that when we ask him questions about the 98 team, this is a big project that we've been working on, that he'll he'll answer it like this. Almost definitely, I like that scene and whatnot. <laughs> Have you ever noticed he starts every question with almost definitely and ends it with and whatnot? Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could say, hey, did you go to the grocery store, Dion? He goes, Almost definitely, I had to get some soap and whatnot. <laughs> Do not tell him that I said that before we have him on the show, Fred. I won't, I won't tell him that. I gotta, I gotta say one last thing about Sean Alexander. Oh no, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't shake my hand after any game. He wouldn't like literally. I see, I've seen him at several events. I mean, twenty years later, I saw him at an event, an SEC event. <laughs> me and Al Wilson and Jamal. He spoke to Jamal. He spoke to Al. He walked right by me. <laughs> oh, wow. And I had, I had my hand out like, hey, man, how you doing? And he was like, he looked at me and just turned and walked off. I was like, I said, I see Jennifer enough must not have came back home that night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm like, Fred, you know I'm cutting this for our social team. You know I'm cutting this for social, right? <laughs> this golden. You're going on Instagram, Twitter. TikTok. <laughs> Fred, Fred White permanent. Here's the headline on the YouTube video. Fred White permanently dismantles Sean Alexander's ego. <laughs> Future NFL MVP. 20 years later, comma, Sean Alexander can't let it go. Hey, he can't let it go. He does to not be fair, like the it. year he won MVP, Peyton should have won it, but that's a different story. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Fred, I, I have, a, have a blessed day on. What's what's that? Yeah, yes, that, I agree. Mm -hmm. no, Fred, have a blessed day, man. Uh, we're so excited about getting together on this Celebrate 98, and it's going to start rolling. And almost definitely, it's going to be fun and whatnot. You need to make that like a um, like a something we can say all the time you know, as you record him saying it, because he's going to say it. You need to record oh, yeah. him saying it. And then every time we talk about something, it's, it's right, like almost definitely. <laughs> I'll do that. You need that sound bite. <laughs> that, this is this is such young Dave Hooker. This is like 23-year-old, 24-year-old Dave Hooker. And I remember standing next to Dion and thinking, this is a whole no another level of athlete that I'm now covering. Because I wrote about some high school stuff, but he is a legit 6'5". And when you stand next to him, you're like, oh my goodness gracious. This, this is the guy running around doing stuff, and he's a legit 6'5". He's 6'3". 6'3". 6'3"? Did I give him too much? Yeah. You gave him two more inches. He's six, I got three. you. I got you at six one. So I figured. You uh, I'm, I'm more like six feet. 
Where did you let me give you a few inches? All right. No. <laughs> Fred, if hey, people... hey, 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 don't say that, Dave. No, I won't. <laughs> hey, Fred, <laughs> if people, uh, like the one time at the boat show that I accidentally said sausage and that became a bit. Um, all right. So, Fred, you, um, uh, you, you are the best Allstate uh, dealer when it comes to just anybody out there. And if people are in Georgia, they need to give you a call. How do they get a hold of you? You know, Dave, they can give me a call at 770-381-0367. Uh, well, they can also look us up online at fredwhiteallstate.com. Um, one of the things that we, we try our best to do is just give you the best information we possibly can. My job is to be the li liaison between you and Allstate. Um, and to give you the best service with the most, with, with integrity and honesty to make sure that you have your best coverage for yourself. Yep. So give us a call and see what we can do for you. And he'll do that. A football Friday with Fred brought to you by Fred White, Allstate. And all you got to do is Google him, uh, Fred White and Allstate, and you'll be able to be taken care of in Georgia, but uh, also soon to be in Tennessee. And he's repping yes. the balls. So how can you not love that? It's a and football Friday. I got to have some horse. <laughs> 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 Unless you're Sean Alexander. You don't want to be Sean Alexander. That's no, you know, <laughs> I don't think based off the conversation, you want to be Sean Alexander. Sanders' mom or girlfriend, either. <laughs> it sounds like girlfriend needs coverage too. I mean, you know. yeah. <laughs> sounds like that uh, that trio really got attacked by number two, Fred White. On that I, got, I got to say this real quick, Dave. This is a funny story, but I got to be real quick. Real quick. You you got all the time in the world. Vanderbilt. We knew all their girlfriends' names too. Oh no. We went to the club in Nashville one time. Just before or after the game? After the game. Because, you okay. know, we get to stay after the game. And Vanderbilt's the last game of the season. Yeah. If, if your parents got hotel rooms in the city, they can bring you back to bring you back to come back on the bus. We beat Vanderbilt 40 to nothing in 1998. Of course, we're talking about their girlfriends and their moms, too. I got the I got the report, <laughs> and I gave it to everybody on defense. And we, we go out and we talk crack, you know, trash to them the whole game. <laughs> after the game is over, there's a line getting into this club or campus party club right <laughs> we walk right up to the door with their girlfriends oh <laughs> no did you really pick up their girlfriends <laughs> we weren't actually with their girlfriends but like they thought we were because we oh. had friends that went to school at Vanderbilt <laughs> we had friends that went to school at you know UT that had friends that went to Vanderbilt and TSU and those places so they were all just together with us but we walked right past their boyfriends and they did too to get in the club before they did. <laughs> Do you remember what the score was that day? I'm I'm sure you guys beat. Forty to nothing. It was oh, forty to nothing. Good. It was forty-eight years. Forty-one to nothing. Yeah. yeah. I'm just imagining. That's, that's the game that Eric Westmoreland hit the guy. You know, coming across the middle. That's one of the biggest hits ever at UT. Yeah. And then um, Chris Ramsey picks up the ball and runs in the end zone. But it, it was it was funny because we knew that they were their girlfriends. They were just with some UT people that we knew. They were all from the same high schools and stuff like that. And we walk right by them to go in the club that's on their campuses, basically. It's like going to, it's like Vanderbilt coming on the strip and going <laughs> and going to party, you know, in Knoxville with yeah. our girlfriends. That that's how, you know what I mean? It, it was funny. It was funny to us because it was like, man, they're standing in line and this is their city. If they were ever debating the transfer portal, I would just say to this, I would say this. I know of several Vanderbilt players that got beat 40 to nothing 
and the opposing team uh, took their their girlfriends out to the club. So, yes, you need to be able to transfer because that is a terrible existence. I don't know. That, that is I a terrible existence. It, it, it was funny. It, it, you know, the craziest thing, though, when they got inside, we laughed about it. We didn't. You know, it wasn't no because we were friends with some of the guys on Vanderbilt team. Corey Chavis is a good friend of ours. Oh, yeah. Um, um, Derek Ainsley was a good friend of ours. You know, we, we uh, Ainsley Battle, I'm sorry, good friend of mine from Georgia. We know each other. So when they walked in, they were a little bit upset at first, and then we kind of laughed about it. And it was, you know, we had a fun night together. But we did hang out with them that night, and it was, you know, it was cool. Gotcha, Fred. Great stuff, man. We appreciate it. Again, Fred White, all stating, take care of your insurance needs. Uh, and we've got the Celebrate 98 series coming up where we're very excited about. Have a great weekend, man. I'll talk to you. Have a good one. He is Fred White. We'll be back in two minutes to talk some Cruton, Tennessee, on the verge of picking up a major commitment. We'll tell you about him with Caleb Giroux right after this. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the hook sports. Hang tight. I know you like the heat. You've got to try my signature sauce, 87. Dude, you know I love you, and I love to try your wing sauce. But when it comes to wings, I need them really hot. I hit 105 on the radar gun. I need to be pretty spicy. Yeah, I know that, man. Look, if sauce 87 isn't enough for you, I guess you can try the Holy Moses or the Grim Reaper. Mmm, now we're talking. Take it from these Farragut admirals. When you're craving wings, it's got to be Craven Wings. Visit them online at cravenwings.com. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment, like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Before Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. 
Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. I have to get Caleb Calhoun down to Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn to get those eyes checked out. Caleb, during the break, is leaning in to see his computer and thereby, when we come back from break, it looks like he's about to jump out of the computer and into my studio. <laughs> and you've got your mic muted now. I'm leaning forward to type something, Dave. Okay. It's... I remember my first day streaming. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you had your microphone off. You haven't done that before. Um, I have a couple of times. Uh, I made the co- sometimes like I turn the mic off if there's something if there's an email I'm checking and, and I'm worried that there's going to be sound that comes through. So, right. that's, yeah. Then I forget to turn it back on. Um, well, I tell you what. Um, I think it's important um, that we move along when we bring Caleb Giroux on because um, in a brief conversation with with his his mom. She seems really nice, and I don't want to go the Fred White direction and say anything about his mom or girlfriend. Or so I guess we'll change gears a little bit, or I can go that direction, Jairo. It's completely up to you. I think we have some recruiting we got to talk about today. Wait, Too before we go, you got to read Mr. Jones's top comment, Dave, right now on the message board. It's the best one. By the way, I will tell you that uh, me and uh, a friend of the program had uh, an exchange that lasted for like eight years where we would say things about the other one's mom that um, was very vile. And I, I, I should be punished for it. The things that we would say, and we find that they get older. It's not as funny. Both of our moms are older. now. Mr. Jones said, sometimes they are one and the same girlfriend, mom. Oh, wait, I'm thinking of Alabama. Oh, <laughs> now you're not implying Jaru is dating his mom. <laughs> no, that was, when Fred White was talking to the Alabama players that uh, talk about talking trash to Sean Alexander that came up, we should have asked Fred if anybody he talked to at Alabama, when he talked about their girlfriend and their mom, he realized he was talking about the same one. <laughs> yes. Or we could have asked Fred, is there a current Tennessee coach that got in trouble for talking about moms and girlfriends in a high school pregame that is on Tennessee's staff because of that? Yes, we could ask that too. But we won't. Portions of the program brought to you by Bassie Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. I mean, sometimes a crazy pregame speech speech gets you a uh, promotion to college. Bassie Lawn and Garden in Cleveland, Tennessee. It's worth the drive whether or not you're in Chattanooga, Knoxville, or Nashville. You need to get to Bassie Lawn and Garden Industrial Mowers, Commercial Mowers. They've got it all. And they've still got those fantastic uh, – beginning of the season specials going on so check them out bassy lawn and garden so caleb cruton as we expected it to is hitting another gear maybe even a little bit earlier than i thought as let's get to it talking cruton now on off the sports talking cruton am i right or am i right or am i right who's on tennessee's board the names you need to know exclusively on off the hook sports with dave hooker who do we need to talk about, Jaru? I hear that Tennessee is on the verge of picking up, picking up Shamar Arnaud at the time of this recording. Uh, we don't know that that's official, but I think we can go ahead and speak to him as a player because I would be highly surprised if he didn't go to Tennessee. What's Tennessee getting with Arnaud? 
<clears throat> well, they're getting a defensive back that's capable of playing defense, which we know Tennessee is in desperate need of after watching last season. So you're getting a six foot one, 170-pound guy. On three holds him as a four-star. 247 hasn't ranked him yet. He is a class of 2025 guy. So he's going to be a ju- he's going to be a junior in high school. No, he's going to be a senior in high school next year. Wait, I have to be a junior. He'll be. A, I had to write the first time. He'll be a junior in high school next year. So he won't make it to Tennessee if that's where he commits for another two years. But the Vols seem to be in the, a front runner for him here. Uh, Steve Wiltfong of Two Four Seven Sports uh, put in a crystal ball for uh, Arno to come to Tennessee. And I mean. If you follow the visits, that's where he seems to be trending. He was on campus this past weekend. He got to watch the scrimmage, got to talk to Willie Martinez, who is somebody he's become very close with. And he also got to sit in on the DB meetings, which he told me that even though what they were talking about was kind of over his head and the terminology was different from his high school, he was still able to take some notes from what uh, Willie Martinez was talking about and apply it to his own game. So he's a, another Georgia guy, which we've seen Tennessee have a lot of success with guys in Georgia. He goes to Alpharetta. <clears throat> he's from Alpharetta. He goes to Milton High School, so right outside of Atlanta. And if I was a betting man, I'd say he's probably going to be evolved by the time noon rolls around. Well, that's what Mr. Jones asked you. Are you coming to Tennessee? Yes or no? We all believe so. I think that's the case. And he is a 2025 guy. Jerome actually – wrote about an eighth grader at one point. So it's just a matter of time until we get uh, a young man who's about to enter uh, Presbyterian Creek Mother's Day out. <laughs> it seems so. Like, and I mean, where does where does he go? Well, his parents are still searching for child care. And from, and from what people are saying, it seems that commitments, you see that a lot in baseball and basketball, I guess, to some extent, where people commit a lot earlier because there's limited spots, you know, you don't have, I mean, baseball has 11.7 scholarships. So if you get offered one you're, and you're pretty sound in your decision, you're going to take that scholarship as soon as you can. And it seems like football is becoming the same way with the transfer portal. If you're offered a spot and you pro- and you know that you want to go to that school, there's no reason really to wait you, or you, they might give your spot up. It's just the transfer portal and NIL money and basically the free agency of college sports has changed a lot of what used to be traditional. Caleb, let me ask you this. Is Tennessee to the point where they don't have to extend early offers? That they can just say, hey, we're the balls. We'll get in battles with Alabama and Georgia and win enough of them where we don't have to extend early offers. I say we, Tennessee. They don't have to extend early offers. They can just go toe-to-toe. Are they to that point or are they almost to that point? I would say they probably still – have to offer at the same time as your Georgias and your Alabamas or before because a lot of what's winning Tennessee these recruits is not necessarily the campus or the facilities it's more of the relationships they're building so I worry that if they do come into a prospects recruitment late and they don't have the opportunity to build those relationships and kind of you know build a connection with the prospect to where he want he considers Tennessee over you know a school that just got 10 five-star commitments last cycle um, that they they wouldn't land him. So I don't think they're there yet. And honestly, I'm not 100% sure if they'll ever be there just from the landscape of college football. Like it seems like, you know, your Georgia's, um, Ohio State's, Alabama's, they're kind of entrenched to where there's nothing knocking them off that. Like even if Tennessee beats Georgia one year, I still don't see Georgia getting knocked off that top role in recruitment or Alabama getting knocked off that number one spot. So – 
I do still think that Tennessee's bread is buttered whenever they get into a recruitment early and they're able to build connections and build relationships like we see with Arno, where he talks about, you know, Willie Martinez calls him once or twice a week just to check in, you know, ask him about school, how football is going. So I think that's where Tennessee's recruitment thrives, and I think they'll probably continue to do that. Uh, Caleb, um, I just wanted to jump in a little bit because they've got – Tennessee has five defensive backs that committed for 2023. They've already got two for 2024, and now they're targeting one we think is going to commit to 20, Tennessee in 2025. Is this – we know they need defense, particularly the secondary. Is this desperation mode for Josh Heupel where he's just desperately trying to find somebody that could – be a game changer at cornerback at this point. Really, I think they're still rebuilding from what Jeremy Pruitt left this program in. Because if you remember last season, like the orange and white game, even if Neyland Stadium was available, like they couldn't do it because they didn't have a roster to field two teams to play against each other like they do this year. I mean, even in practice, you see the depth. It's way different. And Willie Martinez talked about it earlier this week. Like there's competition now. Last season they had injuries and you had not a lot of depth to where there really wasn't much competition because whoever is healthy and can run full speed is probably playing that week because you didn't have very many options. I also think that by recruiting defensive players and defensive backs and putting a priority on uh, those athletes, that they are trying to get away from the transfer portal. So like this year we saw they brought in Gabe Judy Lolly, which is a good pickup, but I think they want to get away from having to do that every season to where Willie Martinez can get the defensive backs that he wants, not just any defensive back they can get, and then coach them the way he wants and kind of get this offense flowing, how Tim Banks and him, and get that aggressive mode of play that they want to play with a lot of depth. It's funny you bring up Gabe Judy Lolly. Let me string this together for a second. Uh, Tennessee offense has recruits seeking them out. Well, Gabe Judy Lolly is a transfer who's going to play in the defensive backfield, but he said that he saw Tennessee's offense, and if the defense got a little better, could win a national championship. So – it sounds strange, Jaru, but Tennessee's offense wins even defense, defensive recruits at, at points. Well, yeah, I feel like it's a lot easier to play defense if you know you're going to have a touchdown lead every time you go out on the field. It gives you that little room for error, I guess. And also, when you look at Josh Heupel's system, that offense will keep you in almost any game that you play. I mean, we saw almost every game they won last year ended up becoming a shootout, and they were able to out offense other teams like Alabama or like Florida in Neyland Stadium. So I do agree that, I mean, and it's also just a testament to Josh Heupel, like his system wins football games with offense and prospects and transfer portal guys want to play for winning teams. So Gabe Judulali talking about how the offense and Josh Heupel got him to come to Tennessee is just a testament that Tennessee is now seen as a winning program. It's no longer I'm coming to a six and six, seven and five team. It's, you're going to be competing probably for first or second in the East almost every season now. And that's getting a lot of prospects in. Yeah. So Caleb, let's talk a little bit more about who they're targeting for 2024. Looks like obviously Josh Heupel has got his quarterback. He's got, um, he's, I, I talked about defensive backs. Where do you think this class is going to start leaning heavily towards over the next month or so? Is there a particular unit or position that they're really trying to shore up? I feel like with any cycle, you're going to see the line of scrimmage become heavy, especially since we haven't seen any commitments there yet besides edge rusher. And I think you have one defensive lineman in this class already, but I think you'll start to see a couple offensive linemen commit and a couple defensive linemen commit just because 
I feel like the same way you say quarterbacks should get you have you should have one quarterback every cycle. I think you should also have at least a couple offensive linemen and defensive linemen every cycle because that's where your games are won and lost in the SEC, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So, and we see one of those offensive tackles today that's announcing at um, one o'clock that Glenn uh, Ellerby is really really high on. Interesting, uh, but all that being said, uh, recruiting other positions. Tennessee is is still going to continue to recruit the best receivers in the nation. One would be James Madison, um, four-star Florida receiver, and uh, that's uh, certainly one I would think to to keep an eye on. He was scheduled to be in town, I believe, midweek, or did he move that to the end of the week? I don't know if you'd heard. Uh, I think he had moved it. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. But I know that with these wide receivers, Heifel is trying to get guys, it seems, that are more uh, versatile with um, where they can play. So you see a lot more guys that are kind of like Dante Thornton, where they can go inside, outside. And um, James Madison is another guy that would fit that mold. Obviously, he's got a very, very large wingspan, a very, very large catch radius, which we also see Josh Heifel going after. And he's ranked as a four-star, you know, 6'3", 190. This is one that the big schools are after. So this is a guy that um, Tennessee could really flex the offense to. Like they could, you could see why would you could offer the kid like just theoretically, why would you go to Alabama where you don't know what the quarterback is going to look like? You don't know what that offense will look like, new offensive coordinator. When you can come to Tennessee where you have Joe Milton's probably going to be the starter this year. Then you have a five-star who has two years left after him. And then you have another four-star and Jake Merklinger who just committed in this class. So, obviously, Tennessee is putting an emphasis on quarterback. And if I'm a wide receiver, I want to go somewhere where I know the person who's throwing me the ball is capable. And even if they aren't capable, with Josh Heifel's offense, I mean, they have just have to get it in like a five-yard radius and you're still wide open. So, we talked about the battles earlier. I could see them winning battles on the offensive side because of the scheme, even if they aren't in as early with prospects. Because, I mean, the offense really recruits itself. Yep. Uh, I agree with that. Portions of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters when it gets hot and your unit may struggle a bit. You may not need a whole new unit. With City Heat and Air, they'll make sure that you get taken care of. City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. You just need a part or some more coolant. Tennessee fourth in recruiting spending. Uh I got I got no problem with that. Um, I'm almost surprised they're not a little bit higher. Calhoun, you dug that up. Tennessee fourth in recruiting spending as far as travel. What did you make of that number? Yeah, so this was recruiting expenses for 2022. Tennessee was fourth behind Texas A&M, Clemson, and Georgia. Dave, this I'm going to be dumb question. This does not include NIL money, right? Yes, this doesn't include NIL. This is just right. recruiting budget. But Dave, I'm going to side with you and take it a step further, it's shameful that Tennessee is not higher than Georgia and Texas A&M. Georgia has more talent in its backyard that Tennessee could ever dream of having in its backyard. There's no excuse for Tennessee to not make sure they're outspending Georgia to go national. This is why Georgia is two-time national champions. They have one of the most talent-rich states in the country and the highest recruiting budget. Now, let me point out the difference real quick. Georgia's recruiting budget, or excuse me, recruiting expense in 2022, $4.5 million. Tennessee was fourth all the way down at $2.9 million. That's really, really inexcusable. 
Okay, let me ask you this, though. This is based off the 2022 class, so this would, would this be half recruiting from, by Jeremy Pruitt? This would be what they spent in 2022, just a year for recruiting. So I, I actually would think it would be for the 2023 class. Would it be the fiscal budget that runs June, July to June? Or do we know? Not to overly the, this is the USA Today article. I'm pulling it up now. In 2022 fiscal year. 2022 fiscal year. So yeah, that would be, I guess that would start in 2021, right? Like September of 2021 to June of 2022. Yeah. I mean, I just think you had a situation where if it's 2021, you had some Jeremy Pruitt doofusness going on there at the time, right? Yes, but if we're doing like the last five years, which is intriguing. I'm looking up the numbers now. I still think Tennessee is below Georgia. And so this isn't just, let's see, last five years, Georgia, Clemson, Texas A&M. No, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Georgia, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia and Alabama are one and two and Tennessee's number three in the last five years. So again, they, they just been consistently behind two programs that, are much better positioned to recruit better than them already because of their location and now their prestige and their coaches. And I think Tennessee, Tennessee has to outspend Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Ohio state on a regular basis in recruiting. If they're going to out recruit them. Yeah. The place I would go to uh, Jerry, let's get your thoughts on this and Calhoun you as well. The place I would go to would be the uh, South California area. You already have a Nico tie from there. Um, you know, I don't think those the, the guys that would have gone to Southern Cal or UCLA are going to be real jazzed to go play Rutgers in November. So, I mean, that – I don't know about you guys, but I always said South Florida until the latest Big Ten move with bringing those teams in from L.A. I mean, I'd, I think that a lot of those guys, if they're going to make the move, they'd rather play in the SEC than the Big Ten. Drew, thoughts? Yeah, um, it's going to be – I mean, they're going to be in a constant, like, jet lag. That move is – and, I mean, it just doesn't seem like fun to have to get on a plane and go to north – in to the north-ish part of the country when it's going to be snowing and then travel back to L.A. I also think that Joey Halsley has done a very good job in California making connections with those coaches. That's been his sort of recruiting area. He kind of took the lead with Nico when he was the quarterback's coach. And they also have a couple offensive assistants who they brought in who have West Coast ties from BYU for one and another guy who is also from California. So they've been putting emphasis on that. And when you look at some of their top uh, targets for like the class of 24 and 25, there are several guys from California, including Nico, I believe, his little brother, Madden, who's still out there. And as for the spending, I don't think it's as big of a problem because – like I said, this coaching staff is – they. I mean, you know you can't – realistically, you can't tell a recruit, like, look at who we have in the NFL or look at our program in the past 10 years compared to Alabama because it's not good. But you can show them the upward trajectory you have and that these coaches are making a lot of personal connections and using their relationships with the prospects to get them on campus. So I feel like the spending isn't as big of a deal. I get the argument that, like, Georgia has the most talent, so why do they need to spend as much money? But, I mean, Georgia's going after five-star guys all over the place, so I'm sure they're – and Kirby Smart has his own helicopter, which I'm sure is pretty expensive. That's true. It's called the helicopter because it trans- 
towards him and his bad haircut around from prospect to prospect. <laughs> um, Travis says, I'd rather save the million and spread it out among my uh, NIL budget. That's a, that's great a different, that's different money. We, but it all comes out of the same pot at the end of the day, doesn't it? I guess Booster is giving money for yeah, you're probably right. But like, Booster gives you a flight. He wants a receipt for ten grand because you needed to go fly out west and see Madden, and um, so he's going to want a receipt. Where you could just stroke Madden check, <laughs> then get him. I mean, it all see, you look, doesn't it kind of come it, out of the same pot with Ohio State. They um. Right before NIL, their athletic budget was like the biggest it had ever been. Their donations were the most they've ever been. So they added a bunch of sports. And now people don't donate to the school anymore. They donate to the NIL fund. And I think it was like the end of last year, their athletic director came out and was like asking for donations, not to the NIL fund, but to the athletic department to keep some of the smaller non-revenue sports that they had just added in business because they were losing a lot of money. Okay, let me ask you this this guy's would Tennessee fans and I'll ask the message board and I'll keep it open for a second. Would you rather have Bronny James or Madden Iamaleva? Right now he can be committed to the program. <clears throat> Bronny James or back to Madden. Madden. <laughs> you have to pick. You have to pick between Bronny James or Madden. And by the way, that is uh, Nico's younger son. David says Madden. Younger brother, not younger son. Your younger brother. That's right. Uh, David says Madden. Dakota says Madden. Then Bronny James. Travis says Nico's little brother. Mr. Jones, you can't say both. All right. what, What about you, Calhoun? Ronnie, thank you, Ronnie. Mr. Hypo is going to find a quarterback a- anywhere. I mean, Nico is the most transcendent you'll ever see. I think that could play oh, for gravy, the most ever for for Josh Hypo's system. Yes, for I mean, Josh Hypo's system. Yes, I. I, 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 I still a young man, but like <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie's less replaceable. the The value of Ronnie is less replaceable than the value of Madden. No disrespect to Madden. You don't want to like how how old is Madden, Jaru? Twenty twenty-five. All right. I'm I'm sorry to be I'm sorry to say this about a fifteen year old, but you you don't have the same pull as Bronny James because you're not gonna be you're you're a little more replaceable. All due respect to Madden Niamaliava. I don't know. I mean that's that's a Madden. I mean Bronny, even if he sucks on the court, he's gonna bring a lot of money. To the athletic department, exactly. And he's gonna sell a lot of tickets. Like, and he, he never, might if he never scores a point, his impact on the athletic department would have be so much revenue wise that they could probably go out and get three more Maddens. Not to mention that could steer the younger brother to Tennessee, Bryce James Jr., who is by all accounts a clone of LeBron in high school. Or it could steal him away, steer him away after he tells after big brother tells little brother that all he does is play defense or all they do is talk about that dad blame Madden all the time. Or they didn't, or they didn't start Bronny because isn't that what sent Jimmy Clausen away, Dave, that Tennessee was not committed to Rick. 
Uh, yeah, that was a cluster in a hole. <laughs> I mean, that was there were a lot of moving parts there, including Jim Clausen not being real happy with Dave's reporting at the time. But uh, wow, yeah, Dave, Dave's admitting he steered Jimmy Clausen away from Tennessee, guys. I didn't steer Jimmy Clausen away from anybody. I can't actually remember why Jimmy Clausen didn't come, but he was going to come forever. Um, I don't remember why he didn't end up coming, but uh, Matt. I mean, yeah, okay, well, all right, so you guys would take, for the record, Ronnie or Madden? By that point, if if it's if it's Madden, like two or three years from now, Kessling will have an opportunity to get the last name right. No, if it was like five years ago in Tennessee's in dire straits, you take Madden because you could get a quarterback to change the landscape of your program and football matters more than basketball. But where Tennessee right now is at as a football program, they're not going to suffer if they don't get Madden Iamaliava. Okay. Would you rather have Madden or would you rather have whatever Peyton's son is deputy Manning, I guess is his name. He's the sheriff. I guess he's deputy. What's his name? Uh, Marshall. Marshall. Is it Marshall? Yes, it's Marshall. <laughs> Peyton's such a square. He is, is such a square. Right? <laughs> Marshall and Texas Ranger. Is that <laughs> No, it's Walker, Texas Ranger. Yes. Marshall, <laughs> Texas Ranger. That's what they're doing. That's names. perfect. That's a very that's a very manning name. Very Talladega Knight. Eli, Peyton, Marshall, Archie. Well, have y'all ever seen the video of Peyton dancing to Rocky Top at Denver practices? It's like, dude, you are so like. I will, I will go ahead and tell you now. I would take Madden over Marshall, deputy. I can't. I haven't evaluated Marshall yet. He's not old enough. Okay, have a fantastic day. What about Lane Kiffin's son? Uh, yeah, I'm taking him, but I'm not taking the dog. Have a fa- he, his dog has his own Twitter feed. It's a little much. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. I could pull What's up the dog's the... name? People were every time Ole Miss loses, they make fun of it. I think it's traitor. I mean, okay, which is it? <laughs> I'm not gonna say. I'm never. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's the other one. All right. Have a fantastic day, everyone. He's Caleb Giroux. I'm Dave Hooker. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic weekend as well. Off the Hooksports.com. We'll have baseball coverage and recruiting coverage as Tennessee will certainly have some players in this weekend. Have a great weekend. Uh, Be sure and hit that like button, the thumbs up button, and the subscribe button. For the Caleb's, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hooks.